Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. So excited to get into the Word of God. We're continuing our series of Take Your Stand. Our pastor preached on last week, Take Your Stand with the Belt of Truth. And I want to continue this. We're talking about taking your stand with the breastplate of righteousness. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 14. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 14. While you're turning in your Bibles, I just want to honor our pastors, Pastor Alex and Bree Damari. We're so thankful uh, for your leadership. Uh, you would not be sitting in these raggedy old seats if it wasn't for their yes. And we are eternally grateful to God for sending you us, uh, to sending you this way to Tampa. Uh, we are forever changed by your yes. We honor you, we thank you, and we praise God for your sacrifice. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 14. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand when the day of evil comes. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place. God, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you that we get to honor your sacrifice. And Father, we thank you that you didn't leave us there, but you have girded us with the armor of God. Open our eyes, open our ears to listen to your word. In Jesus' name we all say amen, amen, and amen. Well, I want to preach to you briefly uh, from a subject titled Fight Right. As I mentioned, our pastor preached on truth last week. Uh, and to be honest, it convicted me to my core. It convicted me so deeply that I dare not start this sermon off by not telling the truth. So I want to tell you the truth. Are you ready for the truth? The truth is, I can't fight. I know, take it in. Take it in. I can't fight. It's true, I'm a lover, not a fighter. I know I look like a fighter, but I'm truly not a fighter. Now, this does not give you permission to try to pick a fight with me. Because in the, in the language of my late uncle, his motto was, homie, don't play that. And even though I can't fight, I do know how to use my surroundings. Don't try to uh, pick a fight with me uh, and let there be a chair in the midst. And, and you might say, well, that's not fair. You can't use a chair in a fight. Watch me. I'll tell you what else is not fair. It's not fair that 99.9% .9 of people that I may find myself in a fight with in this lifetime are taller than me and outside of my weight class. That's not fair and it's not funny. So I don't know why you're laughing. 
But if I think about it, I've never really found myself in a real fight. Never found myself in a fight because, well, usually I'm around people. Usually I'm surrounded by a crew or surrounded by my friends. So if you try to fight me, you're going to have to fight us all. Because friends don't let friends fight alone. Can I get a witness? Another reason why I've never really found myself in a fight is because usually growing up, people would just fight for me. And so what that meant was I had to make sure I was in right standing with the people that I knew that I wasn't going to win in a fight against, number one, so they could, so I didn't have to fight against them, and number two, so they could fight for me. And so many times, we find ourselves fighting the one who says, I will fight for you. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, we see the weight of fighting this fight all by ourselves taken off. And we put on a new weight. The weight of the armor of God. And yes, this weight is still heavy. But it's a heavy weight that will make this life of loneliness a little bit lighter. Yes, this weight is still heavy. But it's a heavy weight that will help lead us to victory each and every single time. And the author of the scripture that we're looking at on this morning is Paul. Paul is known and played a pivotal role in the development of Christianity. And he finds himself in Rome under house arrest. And he's writing to the people of Ephesus who consist of Jews and Gentiles. And he's writing them, telling them to put on the armor of God. And what's interesting about Paul's position and his location and his posture is he's writing, put on the armor of God while he is under guardianship of the Roman soldiers who have armor. So he's watching his guardians with armor telling people to put on the armor of God. And basically he is saying, do not come to this fight unprepared. Many of us don't like to think of this walk with Christ as a battle or as a war. But when we fail to realize who we are and what we are up against, we set ourselves up for failure each and every single time. Who are we? We are children of the Most High God. We are soldiers in the army of the Lord. And what are we up against? That the Bible says we fight not against flesh and blood, but we fight against the powers of the ruler and the authorities of the dark. So, if the powers, the rulers, and the authorities of the dark have armor on, it would be in our best interest not to show up to this battleground dressed inappropriately. So, Paul uses this imagery of the Roman soldiers in their armor. This would have been familiar to them because they're used to seeing Roman soldiers patrol the city streets. They're used to seeing uh, the Roman soldiers look after government buildings. And each piece of armor that the Roman soldiers wear play a purpose. Take, for instance, the breastplate. The breastplate is put on to protect their organs from being attacked. And we like to think that just because we have spiritual armor that it's invisible armor. We equate spirituality with the invisible, which is not necessarily true. The breastplate of righteousness is a very real 
spiritual and physical thing that we are to put on to protect ourselves from the spiritual attacks. What are the physical attacks that the church is dealing with? You may say, we don't deal with anything. I think now more than ever, we are seeing what we believe to be true attacked. If you turn on the news, you will see uh, discrimination against people who believe in Christ. You'll see oppression. And sadly, we have seen people killed going about their daily lives and standing up for what they believe in. And not only are we having to deal with attacks, but we're having to deal with aftershocks. What are aftershocks? Aftershocks are smaller earthquakes that happen after a big earthquake. An aftershock happens when the earth's crust is trying to shift to the effect of the main earthquake. Many times this aftershock can last weeks, sometimes months, sometimes even years. And instead of preparing for the adjustment, you have to worry about another, maybe even larger earthquake than the main earthquake coming into place. And it, it causes the adjustment period to be longer. What are our aftershocks? Our aftershocks is when we experience an earthquake in the Christian community. And instead of coming together, we start attacking each other creating an aftershock. Uh, we have a group of people who runs over here and says, thoughts and prayers aren't enough. Then we have another group that runs over here and says, well, your solution doesn't align with the word of God. Instead of coming together in the middle, holding hand in hand, asking God, God, we want your will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And God, give us creative solutions to bring our society back to you. We've been fighting all wrong. And God is calling us on this morning to fight right. We've been fighting for things that God has already overcome. We've been fighting for righteousness in our homes. We've been fighting for righteousness in our families. We've been fighting for righteousness in our schools. We've been fighting for righteousness in our government. We've been fighting for righteousness everywhere. We've been fighting for righteousness. And God is saying, you don't fight for righteousness. You fight with righteousness. And before I go on to explain how we fight with righteousness, I want us first to understand what is righteousness. Righteousness is not just about following rules or obeying commands, but it is a state of being and right standing with God. Righteousness is a gift from God that is obtained through faith in Jesus Christ. When a person receives Christ as their Savior and Lord, they are made righteous in God's eyes and we are given a new identity and this new identity is child of God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 through 9 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, the result, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Righteousness is expressed in the way that we live our lives. But what does it mean to have faith 
in Jesus Christ. How do we receive this gift of righteousness? The answer is found in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus knew no sin, but then he became sin for us that we could have faith in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross made us righteous before God. The Bible teaches that seeking the kingdom of God and living a righteous life should be our primary focus as Christians. This means that we must prioritize our relationship with God above all else and strive to live in accordance with his will. When we seek the kingdom of God, we are seeking to align our lives with God's purpose and priorities. We recognize that God is the ultimate authority in our lives and we submit ourselves to his will. What does this involve? This involves daily prayer. This involves studying the word of God. This involves worshiping. This involves obedience to his commands. Living a righteous life is not simply about following a set of rules. It is about developing a deep and intimate relationship with God. Not only that, but allowing his love and grace to transform us from the inside out. Growing up, um, I would go and spend uh, my summers with my grandparents uh, in New Orleans. And everyone on the side of the New Orleans family, they play an instrument. So it was a given that I probably uh, would play an instrument. But specifically, I would go around everywhere with my uncle. He would go and play for a musical. I would beg him, can I please, can I please go and just sit on the seat with you on the Hammond B3 organ? We don't play that no more. Nord ain't got nothing on the Hammond B3. Uh, he would go to funerals, and I would say, please, can I go to the funeral? I'll just sit there. I'll be quiet. I would sit on uh, the seat, and I would cry with the family like I knew those people. I didn't know those people at all. <laughs> uh, I, I would go to a wedding. I'd say, please, can I go to the wedding with you? And I would sit on the seat as he sang and played the piano. I was desperate to be in the presence of my uncle. I would wake up every single morning looking for an opportunity just to be with my uncle. And that'll preach all by itself. When are you going to start waking up, even when you don't feel like it, yearning for the opportunity just to be in the presence of your father. It's when you wake up every single morning yearning to be in the presence of your father that the old man will pass and the newness of God will come. Does anybody desire the newness of our father? All things shall pass away. Behold, all things. Everybody say all things. Become new. What do you wake up yearning to do? Do you wake up yearning to see the next post on Instagram? Do you wake up yearning to see the next news article on Twitter? Do you wake up yearning to see has Taylor Swift's concert prices gone down? What do you wake up yearning? We have a call on this morning to wake up yearning to be in the presence of our almighty God. 
We fight with righteousness by seeking first the kingdom of God. We wake up yearning, God, how can I seek your kingdom? The next way that we fight with righteousness is by doing the things that a righteous person does. 1 John 3, 7 says, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteousness, even as he is righteous. And the word doeth in 1 John 3, 7 implies that there is an ongoing actress. There's an ongoing action that needs to take place. Daily, we need to renew our minds. Daily, we need to transform our thinking because it's when we do that that we are able to discern the will of God and not just discern the will of God, but do the will of God. Another word for daily transform is to practice. And I want to encourage you on this morning to never stop practicing and pursuing the righteousness of God. What are we practicing for? We are practicing for the spiritual battle that we are in and will be in. We have to practice. And how do you practice? We practice by waking up every single morning, seeking the kingdom of God, yearning to be in his presence, reading the word daily, prayer and fasting, and seeking the face of God. And to be honest, as I grew older, uh, my visits to New Orleans became less and less. And because of that, my visits with my uncle became less and less. I let the storms of life get in the way. I had to go to college, so I had to focus on my studies. I didn't have enough time to just fly to New Orleans. And even though I still have a passion to play, I love playing the organ or the piano, my passion to practice diminished. Because the storms of life got in the way. Grace City Tampa, never let the storms of life get in the way of you seeking an opportunity to get in the presence of God. Because if you allow the storms of life stop you from getting in the presence of God, your passion to practice, your passion to pursue the righteousness of God, your passion to wake up and get in the presence of God will fade. Never get tired of pursuing God. Why? Because he never got tired of pursuing you. And as we go further in the scripture. We find that sometimes living this life, we want to get rid of the war mentality. Why? Because it feels like we are in war with everything. We're in war at home. We're in war on the job. We're in war with things that are happening in our world. We're at war with our politicians. We're at war with our government. We're at war sometimes even in the church and you just get so tired you're tired of just warring with everybody and God is saying you're doing it all wrong you're fighting all wrong you need to learn to fight right it always amazes me when I see people fighting with people you want to know what really amazes me it amazes me 
when Christians are found fighting with people. I'm always wondering, what, what, you've missed it. <laughs> what are you doing? We don't fight with people. We fight for people. For so long, we've been using weapons that this world does not care about. And you say, well, I'm not fighting for people. I'm not fighting for this world. I'm fighting for God. Let me tell you something. God does not need to be fought for. He is God all by himself. We said it earlier. He was God yesterday. He's God today, and he will be God tomorrow. God does not need to be fought for. We need to fight for what God wants. And what does God want? He wants his children. He wants people. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. If God so loved the world, why are we fighting against people in the world? God wants his children. They don't understand that they are children of God, but they need to be restored back to their citizenship in heaven. This is what we should be fighting for. In scripture, we see that the Greek word for righteousness also means justice. Righteousness refers to an individual's personal adherence to a set of moral or ethical principles. While justice refers to this fairness, it refers to the fairness and treatment of all individuals within our society and within our system. So righteousness, we see, is the act of justice. And when justice is not lived out, there must be an act of making it right. They both together ensure that people are treated fairly and justly that the principles of right and wrong are upheld. What the enemy wants us to do is to separate the two. We find ourselves only fighting with righteousness. And then we want to separate the justice. But if they are intertwined together, then that means you're fighting with nothing. If you feel like you're fighting just with righteousness or just with justice, they are two in the same. Psalms 33, 5 states that the Lord loves righteousness and justice and that the earth is full of his unfailing love. Isaiah 1, 17 instructs us to learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, and I can have the band come up. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. This verse highlights the importance of actively seeking justice and defending the vulnerable and oppressed. What does it call us to? It calls us to action. Reminding us that our pursuit of righteousness must include standing up for justice and protecting those who are marginalized and oppressed. Together, these passages emphasize that righteousness and justice are intertwined and that believers must strive to embody both in our lives. The breastplate of righteousness serves as a reminder of our commitment to justice for all people. And as we put on the breastplate of righteousness, we commit to living a life that reflects the character of God and actively seeks justice and defends the oppressed. And what I think we forget sometimes is that there is more than one group of people that are oppressed. 
And what we have to stop doing is making other people feel bad for not putting all their focus on defending the oppressed group that you choose to defend because why we are called to defend them all. Defend the one that is being mistreated because of what they look like. Defend the one that cannot defend themselves. Defend the one that can't seem to get back on their feet. Defend the one that are not living according to the will of God. Not affirm, but defend the mandate that God has placed on their life. You can't defend someone that you are against. You don't agree with their lifestyle, so what? How do we fight this war? We fight it with righteousness. This is righteousness. Ephesians 6.14 is telling us to stop talking about how great this armor is and how beneficial it is when we put it on. Stop coming Sunday after Sunday, coming to this altar, laying everything down, even your righteousness. Stop coming Sunday after Sunday, lifting your hands and leaving your righteousness in the air as if you are giving it back to God. God is saying, I don't want your righteousness. I'm already righteous. I am equipping you and gifting you this righteousness so you can fight this fight. We've been fighting for justice instead of being justice. As we stand all over this building, it always interests me when someone fights for a Christian value in this world but has no definition of that in their life. What's the use of fighting for something if you're not going to operate in it? The reason that we are getting our butt whooped in this fight is because we have the mentality that this is a fight night. We have this mentality that this is a fight season. When God is saying daily, listen to me, God is saying daily, submit your lives to me. Daily, renew your mind. Daily, transform your thinking. The reason you need to run to the lobby and get in a city group is because we are daily warring. And God is saying that if you put on the right armor and portion yourself in the right places, I will fight for you. And I declare today that no longer do we put our fight in man, but we put our fight in the risen, victorious, and living King, the Almighty King, and His name is Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I declare over your life that no matter what comes what may, we have the victory. You don't have to fight this battle alone because we have the victory. We used to sing an old song that said, victory is mine. Victory today is mine. I'm telling Satan, get thee behind me. Why? Because victory victory is mine I talked earlier 
about how I can't fight. Now just because I have someone fighting for me doesn't mean that I was just sitting back and watching. I knew how to talk some trash. And when I was talking that talk, I was making the other opponent mad and elevating the person who was fighting for me. And even though God doesn't need reminding of who he is and what he can do, when we open our mouth and when we daily walk in righteousness and seek justice, we are showing God that I can only do all things through you who strengthens me. God doesn't need reminding, but you need reminding. God doesn't need reminding, but the people in your city group needs reminding. God doesn't need reminding, but your family needs to be reminded. God doesn't need to be reminded, but your friends need to be reminded. God doesn't need to be reminded, but the people at your job need to be reminded. Turn to your neighbor and just begin to remind them of the goodness of God. Come on, turn to your neighbor. Remind them that God is good and his mercy endureth forever. Come on, you're putting on your breastplate of righteousness now because you are fighting for your brother. You are fighting for your sister. You are arming yourself with the breastplate of righteousness. With every head bowed and every eye closed. This opportunity has been prayed for. This opportunity has been set aside. This is a holy moment between you and your father. And maybe you're in this place and you said, I've never had a moment. And maybe us as a church who gets equipped here to go out have done you a disservice and we've never even opened up the opportunity for you to make a decision. We're sorry. And we're setting this time aside for you to make a decision for the first time to give your life to Christ. You said, I've never said the prayer. I've never surrendered my life to God. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. If you're tired of fighting this fight alone, you said, I want God to fight for me. Can you just lift your hand? Is there anybody in this house that says, I want to commit my life to you today? Just lift your hand. This is your opportunity. Hallelujah. With every hand lifted in this house, with every hand lifted in this house, Bible talks about putting on the righteousness of God. The Bible also talks about being filled with righteousness. It does no good to put on the breastplate of righteousness and not be filled with righteousness. It does no good for you to put on the breastplate of righteousness as a show and then go into your workplace and when your life is pulled apart there's not an ounce of righteousness so right now in this moment as the band plays i pray that you be filled with righteousness
Come on, can you just lift your hands and just begin to ask God, God, fill me up with your righteousness. God, I want to be like you. God, I want to be made right and standing with you. And as you're asking God to be filled up with this righteousness, maybe you're in a place where you say, I don't trust God. I don't trust his plans. Well, let me tell you on this morning, it says the righteousness, the righteous plans are just. And so if you are having problems trusting the plans of God, just remember that his plans are just. He has good plans for your life. He has good plans for your life. He has good plans for your life. He has plans for you to prosper. And as we sing out this song, ask for the righteousness of God. He has good plans. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.